tonight I want to take the time to study with you the subject of compassion. The Bible has a lot to say about this, this subject, and I tell you, I really enjoyed the time of just studying it and learning so much about compassion. There's just so much. It's so rich. And uh, <clears throat> I want to be able to study tonight and, and just go over some scriptures with God's compassion and then maybe go over some of the compassion of ministry that Jesus uh, established as well. And we also want to talk to you tonight about how we're called into a ministry of compassion as well. And so we're going to do that tonight. There's a, a statement that someone made about compassion. It goes like this. It says, charity is more common than compassion. Charity is tax deductible. Compassion is time consuming. Let me say that again. Charity is more common than compassion. Charity is tax deductible. But compassion is time consuming. And we're going to find out more about that. So what is this compassion? What is it? What does it mean? Well, in biblical terms, it is an internal yearning, that deep sense of sympathy or concern for people who are hurting. It is a deep feeling of emotion that comes from deep within. It's not something that comes from here, but in here. Have you ever felt, uh, if you saw someone who was hurting, and we have this term where our heart goes out to them, where you feel so bad that you want to just reach out and help them. And sometimes it gets to a point where it just, it affects you physically because there's that need and you want to reach out and you want to touch them. And it almost becomes, it's almost like their pain becomes your pain. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's the compassion that I'm talking about here tonight. It's a deep emotion that cannot be easily shut down or ignored. It's not something that you can just walk away when you see a need. That's what compassion is. So let's go into the word and let's look at God's compassion. So go with me to Psalm 103. We'll pick up reading from verse 6. The title of my message tonight is Captured by Compassion. Psalm 103. <laughs> you know, um, one of the things that really inspired me about compassion is when I see people meeting someone's need without question. Amen. I have several nieces, and there's one niece in particular that, um, you know, she's a single mom. She has four children. She has one in uh, in college, she has three at home, two are teenagers, three are boys and one a girl. And um, I've seen this woman go through much struggle financially, physically. Um, I mean, if it's one thing with her, it's always another. But one of the things that, I, that, that really inspires me about her is that, first of all, she's saved and she loves the Lord. You know, but in spite of all the trouble that she's gone through, she never stops reaching out to someone. Even in her need, even in her wants, even in her limitations, she never stops showing compassion for others. Oftentimes, she'll go out into the bus terminal downtown New Bedford, and everybody knows her because she'll always take the time to talk with them and share with them. She's taken strangers into her home and give her what, li what little she had and gave to them. 
This is one instance just recently where um, the Lord, she was going through a, a difficult time right now. And so some, the family was helping her financially. And um, she received some money and it was much needed because it, she really needed, she was at a time where she really needed some help. And what she did was uh, she met some woman who was struggling. Now, she didn't know who she was. I mean, she didn't know anything about her. All she knew is what the Lord spoke to her and said that she has a need. So she took what was given to her and took a portion of that money and gave it to this woman. Now, again, she doesn't know who this woman is. Never met her, never even spoken to her. All she knew that there was just something there and God wanted her to give her something. And so when she did that, this woman broke down in tears and asked this question, how did you know? Only to find out that the woman was also going through a similar struggle that she was. And she was also a believer. But because of the compassion that she showed to this individual, she was able to touch this person's life. And you see, that's what compassion does. It reaches out to people, even though you may not know what their need is. But if you're willing to stop and meet that need, you're going to touch somebody's life. And that's what we see uh, in examples as we read the scriptures tonight. We'll see that example. Uh, if you're in Psalm 103, uh, let's begin in verse 6. It says, The Lord ex executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He had not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgression from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Now, here's a good example describing God's compassion towards his people. I like what he says here in verse 10. He says, he's not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. That tells me this is a God who is not quick to pass judgment or quick to come and punish, but his first desire is to redeem us, to restore us, to save us, to minister to us. This is a God that withholds punishment simply because he loves us. And it's this compassion that he has towards us because he knows what needs we have. And this is a God, this is the reason why God is described as being a long suffering or slow to anger. Because it's not his will or his desire to lash out in anger like some parents do with their children. But he's like a compassionate father who would rather love his children and forgive his children rather than quickly punish them. And so this is the compassion of God. Let's go over to Psalm 145. Let's look at some more verses that describe God's compassion. Psalm 145 and verse 9 says, The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies or compassion are all over his works. Now, I like what it says here because he was not referring to believers, but everyone. It's all-inclusive. 
believers and unbelievers. He's compassionate to all. And then in James 5.11, you don't have to turn there, but it says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful, which is another word for extremely compassionate, and of tender mercy, which is another word for compassionate. And if you know the story of Job, in the beginning of, of Job, he was a blessed man. At the end of Job, he was even more blessed than he was in the beginning. And you know the tragic history of his life. But the Bible said that God had compassion on him and restored everything in his life. Blessing him and making him even more blessed and receiving twice as much as he had before. And the Bible says that he gave him a long life where he was able to enjoy his children, his grandchildren, even to the fourth generation. Talk about the compassion of God. If there's one thing we can learn about compassion, compassion restores lives. Amen. Here's what I want you to see. Now, we know that God is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 1 and 3 says that God, that Jesus is the brightness of his glory and the express image of himself. John 1, 1 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And in verse 14 of that same chapter, it says that this word that was God became flesh. So we know that God is Jesus in the flesh, right? This is what I want you to uh, get. We know that uh, compassion is an internal yield, uh, yearning. Something that's within the bowels. A churning of the bowels. Something inside. It's a deep sense of sympathy and concern for people. And this is what God is towards us. This is how he feels about us. And because he has such an internal yearning, such a deep sense of sympathy and concern for us that he could not, or I should say his nature, would not allow him to shut his ears or ignore it. And he could not walk away because that's not the nature of God. But this yearning, this deep sense of sympathy caused him to take another step and become flesh. In other words, he came to deal with us in our issues personally through his son Jesus. Because of this yearning that he had, he could not ignore it. He could not shut his eyes and close his ears. His nature would not allow it. It's a part of his nature and character. And so God wanted to deal with the problem because he saw a need. And that need moved him to take that next step. And to deal with us personally so that he can touch every life through his son. That's a powerful thing. And that's such a great thing that God would do that for us. Instead of just sitting up at the throne and just being compassionate and, and feeling this yearning without doing something about it. A person that has that kind of compassion cannot sit still but has to do something. They have to do something with that compassion. That's what it's it built in us for, is to do something to touch lives. Amen. So, let's look at Mark chapter 1, and let's look at the compassion of Jesus. I'm trying to take my time here because I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but at the same time, I don't have much time either. 
Go to Mark chapter 1. And let's look at Jesus' example of, of compassion. In Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 38. And he said to them, let us be going on into the neighboring country towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. So he went throughout the whole of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. And a leper came to him, begging him on his knees and saying to him, if you are willing, you are able to make me clean. And verse 41, and being moved with pity and sympathy or compassion, Jesus reached out his hand, touched him and said to him, I am willing, be made clean. And at once the leprosy completely left him and he was made clean by being healed. Now, the leper, by law, had to be quarantined and isolated from the rest of society. Now, imagine this. The, the leprosy is a very painful disease, and, uh, but it's not only physically painful, but it's also emotionally and psychologically painful because that person has to be separated from his, from his family, from his friends, from a normal lifestyle. He couldn't even come into town and worship, but he had to be isolated because of the nature of his disease. Not to mention the fact that he was also ceremonially unclean. So anyone that touches him would be considered unclean, and they would have to go through a process in order to be declared clean. So everyone stayed away from him. So imagine this leper coming to Jesus and pleading for Jesus to heal him. Now, it's apparent that this leper has never felt a touch from anyone because of the fact that he was isolated from everyone else. But here's what I want you to see here. Even though leprosy was serious, he cried out to Jesus. And although he questioned Jesus, but he wasn't questioning his power, he knew that Jesus had the power to heal. What he was questioning was, was Jesus willing to heal him? Because here's a person who's been rejected all his life, and I mean, a, a life full of hopelessness and despair, living that kind of life. And out of desperation, he cries out and asks, Are you willing? I know, Jesus, that you can heal me, but are you willing? And I just, let me just take my time here. I'm coming to a point here. When Jesus saw this man, the Bible says he saw him and he was moved with compassion. He saw the need and he quickly reacted to those needs. He saw the emotional need. He saw the physical need. He saw the psychological need. And he reached out and touched him. And he says, I am willing. Compassion. And understand also, uh, think about this, because when Jesus did that, there were people around. And when he touched this, this leper, he was violating the law of Moses already. He was already in violation of the law. And so you can imagine what people were saying. You can imagine what people were thinking. And already, gossip was probably already going through the town, was probably already at the Jerusalem Gazette. Jesus touches leprous, leprous man, breaking the law. But here's two things that we can learn about compromise, I mean, comp companion, uh, compassion. 
Compassion will always touch an area of need, even when no one would. This man was never touched by anyone until Jesus came. And then Jesus, with his compassion, reached out and touched this man because of this inner desire to want to meet that need and healed him. Something else that I want you to learn about uh, compassion is that in spite of Jesus breaking the law and in spite of all what what, what people may say, compassion never cares what anybody say. Have you, ever, have you ever been in a situation where you saw a need and you wanted to reach out and help them and then someone says, oh, don't waste your time with that. Oh, this probably, he probably wants your money. Oh, no, you know, don't even bother. We've got to be somewhere at another time, at a certain time. And then because of that, you weren't able to meet that need. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen. Compassion doesn't care what anybody says or what anybody thinks. If you move to meet a need, don't ignore that. Don't ignore that, that, that feeling. Don't ignore that deep thing inside of you. Because that's God leading you to meet that need. Whenever there's an opportunity, oh, I'm going to get ahead of myself again. Let me slow up. Go with me to Matthew chapter 14. Let's continue on. Matthew chapter 14. My goodness, it seems like I just got up here and it's already 8.30. <laughs> Matthew chapter 14, we see another example of Jesus demonstrating his compassion. And beginning in verse 13, Jesus just heard God word that John the Baptist was, was executed and his disciples took his body and buried him. And then the disciples came and told Jesus about it. So upon hearing the news in verse 13, says, when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, and they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. Let me stop there. Jesus and his disciples plan on going to a lonely place, a place of solitude. Perhaps maybe to pray, maybe to have a little Bible study. But word got out that the people, uh, from the people that Jesus was, was heading to that desolate place. So they all followed him. So imagine Jesus being in that desolate place and then seeing all of these people coming. And we're not talking about 50 people now. We're talking about thousands of people. We're talking about a population coming to Jesus. Now, notice his response. When he saw the people coming, the multitudes, Jesus didn't look at his disciples and say, okay, who who talked? Who said something here? Peter, was that you? He didn't say, oh, man, I just wanted to relax. I just wanted to chill here. Come on, Jesus, Lord. No, the Bible says that he saw their need and he was moved with compassion and began to heal the sick. Now, this was an all-day affair. Now, I'm sure Jesus had something else to do. I'm sure he probably had somewhere else to go. But compassion always takes time to meet a need. Remember when I told you in the beginning the statement that this person made about 
com- uh, compassion being time-consuming. Well, Jesus was always willing to take time to meet those, those needs. And he was healing the sick, 5,000, over 1,000, over 5,000 people. And it was all day. Now, the Bible says that it was starting to get late. The evening came, so we can see that was an all-day affair. But Jesus would never turn anybody away. He continued to meet those needs. But the disciples began to realize, okay, it's getting late. They have not eaten. We're hungry. And these people got to go. Now, I'm sure that the disciples were sincere. And they went to Jesus and said, listen, Jesus, it's getting late. He said, why don't we send them away before it gets dark? They haven't eaten all day. So they give them a chance to go home, maybe stop at a market or something, or get home on time to get something to eat. But it's getting late. What the disciples were doing is they saw the need of their physical healing, but then they saw another need, that they were hungry. And this is what we, we do. When we see a need, right away that we look at ourselves, and then we see our resources and realize that we have some limitations. And because of our limitations, we fail to meet those needs. Okay, We've all been there. The disciples saw the need that they needed to eat and they looked at their resources and saw all we got is five loaves and two fishes. There's no way this is going to, this is for us. And so they decided, okay, well then let's just, their solution was send them home. But here's the compassion of Jesus. Verse 16. He says, they do not need to go away. But then he says, You give them something to eat. Imagine that. They were trying to, by by sending them away, it takes the pressure off themselves and takes the responsibility off themselves and put it back on the people. But Jesus sent it right back on and said, no, you feed them. Now, this is what I want you to see here. What Jesus was really trying to say was this. Give them what you have and take that step of faith and I'll take care of the rest. Take what little you have and I'll increase it. Remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 17 where Elijah was sent to Zarephath where he says a widow woman will sustain you there and feed you. Now, I always wondered why did Jesus choose a widow woman who had nothing? But yet, She was supposed to sustain Elijah in the middle of a drought. Nobody had nothing. When Elijah got to the Zarephath, the the widow woman's house, he had asked her, make me something to eat. The widow woman had nothing. But Elijah kept insisting, listen, just take what you have and just make me a cake. And just trust God. So the widow woman said, okay, well, okay, I'll take these sticks, I'll take my little bit of flour and my little bit of oil, and I'll do whatever I can do. But she took that step of faith. And the Bible said that she ate every day out of that little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. God can take your little and increase it. But the problem is that we look at our limitations and say, okay, since we can't do it, or since we don't have enough, We can't do it, and therefore, that need just goes away. Jesus will never allow someone to walk away 
with needs unmet. His compassion will not allow it. And God is trying to tell us, let me say this, aren't we ambassadors for Christ? Doesn't the Bible say that we are his ambassadors? We are his representatives, right? So doesn't that mean that we're his hands, his feet, his mouth, his ears, his wallet, his transportation, his smile, his gentle touch, his compassion, his pat on the back? Isn't isn't that what we are? So then any opportunity that we have, being Jesus' ambassador and representative, we should show that same compassion with whatever need that we, that we come across. Amen. And you know, even if you don't have much, what little you have, God will take care of the rest. Going back to uh, my niece, once again, she has this habit of inviting people, strangers, off the streets into her home. And again, she doesn't have very much. She has all her furniture used. Um, her clothes are all hand-me-downs. She doesn't dress fancy. Her house is not fancy. She lives in a small apartment. She, and she has four children. But she never, never denies a person a meal. And she always invites them into her house and provides them something. Or she'll take what somebody blessed her with and she'll take it and bless them. This is what she does. Sometimes we say, girl, will you stop doing that? We give that to you. Come on, enjoy it. Yeah, but you know, the Lord told me there's a need there. And she'll just move on those needs. But the Lord, let me just say this. I've never seen her being a righteous woman. I've never seen her forsaken. And I've never seen her begging for bread. Never. Now, we read this in the scriptures, but I've actually seen this in person. And, and, and it's just so, and she's always calling us, telling us, guess what God did? It's almost every morning, she's always giving us a call with a testimony. Guess what God did? You know? And so that's a proof right there that, you know what? What you have is not yours anyway. So if God says, listen, I need you to give this person a ride to so-and-so at such-and-such a place. Compassion will always take time. Jesus spent all day ministering to the needs of those people. All day. Because he was willing to meet those needs. Because he did not want to walk away with needs unmet. His nature would not allow it. That compassion will not cause him to ignore the cries of the people. That compassion should be also churning in our hearts. Because we have the very nature of God. We are his very children. So we should be acting like God. And so that whenever we see a need, our response should be also God, the same response that Jesus had. And, you know, I know we live in a society where, you know, we can be selfish with our time. We can be selfish with our money and our possessions. But if we learn to understand that, listen, God said that he will multiply your seed that's sown. Even if it's just a little seed. What God is looking for is just you taking a step, responding to a compassion, I mean, a need with that compassion and not worry about whether you have enough or not. Because what you're doing is simply, I give you what I have and my God will provide the rest. That's the attitude we have to have. You know? But compassion is what does that. So you know, I, I encourage you that whenever you have this churning on the inside, you know, don't worry about your resources. Take, don't put your eyes on yourself, but focus on the need and then trust God that you're going to help 
with whatever you have to meet that need. It would be, I don't want to say tragic, but it would be sad if we walk away and not being able to meet a need when we had the opportunity to do so. Monday I was coming home from, um, from dropping off somebody and I was at an intersection and I seen a gentleman standing and he was getting my attention and he came up to my car and he said, hey, uh, you got a few change? You know, I'm kind of hungry. My, right away, the first thing that came to my mind was, okay, I started getting guarded here. Okay, there was no compassion. I wasn't moved with compassion. I was moved with, with sort of like, you know, guard. I said, what's he want? What's he want with his money? Those are the thoughts that were coming into my head. And um, I said, you know, I just need some change and everything. So I, the first thing I asked him was, well, what do you need it for? I said, well, no, I, I need it for some coffee and, you know, get something to eat over in Dunkin' Donuts. And I'm saying, I don't know about that. I said, well, you know, I'll tell you what. I mean, you can just take me over there. I mean, I, you know, I said, well, okay. I took him into the car, drove him to Dunkin' Donuts, gave him some change. And I sat there, you know, just to make sure that, you know, he was going to do what he said he was going to do. And he did what he did, and then I left. But I learned a lesson there because I wasn't moved with compassion. I, I was really reluctant. I was hesitant. But you know what? What if that was an angel? What if that was an angel of the Lord? You know? So, I mean, we don't know. But what God is looking for is that you act on that compassion. That's a quality that God has placed in us. And never shut those bowels of compassion. Never shut it down. But whenever there's a need, respond. You know? Take every opportunity to move and watch what God does. Watch what he does. <coughs> Hallelujah. Go with me to Romans chapter 12. Going back to Matthew chapter 14 while you're looking for Romans 12. As you know, the story goes where after Jesus took the five loaves and the two fishes and he multiplied, he prayed and blessed it and multiplied it. And, and the Bible says that they all ate and were filled with what little God, the, the disciples had. God multiplied it because they gave it to the Lord and the Lord blessed it and was able to minister to all those people. And then that satisfying feeling, that yearning that the Lord Jesus had was satisfied because the people left with filled bellies and healed bodies. Compassion will never let you go easily. It will never let you go so easily. In the same way the disciples were ready to just let them go home, let's send them off. So this way we won't have to worry about feeding them. Jesus says no. I can't let them go that easy. I want to meet their needs first. You know, there's, uh, there's, um, there's the custom with, within the Cape Verdean families, you know, those of you who are Cape Verdeans, um, where if you go to the house, they're going to feed you. You don't even have to ask. They're, they're just going to feed you. They're going to put a plate and big, a big meal and everything else. Then when you're done with that plate, they'll come up with another one. Bam. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? 
Because they want to make sure that when you leave, you leave filled and satisfied. Right? That's just the custom that we have or that they have. I'm not Cambodian. You come to my house, you're going to ask, you have to ask me for something. <laughs> or just bring your own stuff. I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, nah, my wife won't let me do that. So Romans chapter 12 and verse 13. It says, contribute to the needs of God's people, sharing in the necessities of the saints, Pursue the practice of hospitality. What is God saying to us tonight? He's saying to contribute to the needs of God's people. Sharing. Because that's basically what we're doing. Taking what's ours. Or I should say what God has given to us and sharing it with others. Willingly. Go to Galatians chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. That's what I say, Galatians. I'm just testing you. Galatians chapter 6. <laughs> Have some compassion. <laughs> Galatians 6 verse 10 says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. What Paul is saying here is that whenever there's an opportunity to meet a need or to minister to someone, let us do good. But not just to the household of God, but to all men, but especially those who are of the household of God. They are the priority. But it's an all-inclusive uh, command. Wherever there's a need, now, and I know what some of you are thinking. Sometimes, like, I know this one gentleman who was always out in the store, always begging for money. And again, I'm not talking about just giving money or, I'm talking about how about your time? How about maybe providing transportation? How about just an ear? Maybe somebody just wants to talk, you know? But whatever the need is, are you willing to make the time? Even though it may be time consuming, but you know what? Compassion will always meet a need and always satisfy the individual that has that need. But always take advantage of that. And there's this one gentleman that I see all the time, and, and he's hit me for money constantly. Until one time he got really kind of, uh, you know, he said, can I get a quarter? I said, yeah. Well, no, how about a dollar? I said, okay, now this guy's getting a little bold. You know, and, and I see him doing this with everybody. He's just planting himself at the store right in the corner. And everybody that comes in, I don't believe there's a need there. I believe that's just somebody hustling. But there's, when there's a genuine need, that compassion will let you know this person is in need. The Spirit of God will allow, will show you that person has a need. And therefore, it's legitimate. You can go ahead and go ahead and take that step of faith. And, and again, you know, you know, you have those riffraffs around there that are looking for money, trying to hustle money rather than just doing the right thing. But, you know, that's when you have to use some discernment. But, you know, also the Bible also says to feed your enemies. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If he's thirsty, give them drink. Okay, that's what he said. 
Go to Philippians chapter 2. One of the things that we have to learn to practice is that whenever we we move with compassion to help meet someone's need and realize that we don't have the resources or we're limited to what we can do, rather than focusing on that, focus on the kingdom of God. The Bible says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. So when you have that attitude, you're not worried about your limitations because whatever you have, you know God's going to replenish. Amen. That's a promise. You know, as a matter of fact, let me hold your finger there and let me just show you. Let me read that to you. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You probably already know this verse. It says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purpose in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for, the, for your food, and multiplied your seed sown, and increased the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. So I'm not concerned about giving out of my need. When you have this compassion, it doesn't matter whether what your wants are, it doesn't matter what your needs are, or what your limitations are. But learn to give out of those needs. Realize that God has got your back. Recognize that God is calling upon you to meet those needs. And as you're meeting those needs, you're taking it a step of faith. And what little you have, God will increase it. Not only for that person, but then you walk away blessed also. That's what happened with Elijah and the widow woman. Elijah went in, asked for a cake. The widow woman had nothing to give, but what little she had, she was able to make not only a cake, but she was able to sustain him and eat every day for her family as well. So both Elijah and the widow woman and her family were blessed because she was able to take that step of faith and give out of the little that she had. Amen. Philippians chapter 2. This is the attitude that we're all called to. Verse 1 says, if there be therefore any consolation, or in the translation says, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies or compassion, fulfill you my joy that you like-minded, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind, let nothing be done through strife of vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let what? Each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. 
Let me close with this last verse. Over in Luke chapter 10, one of my favorite uh, parables, the, uh, the story of the Samaritan. You can go there, Luke chapter 10. We are all called to show forth compassion and mercy because compassion and mercy was also shown to us. And we all know what it, what it feels like to need compassion. Amen. We've all been there. But here's what I want you to look at here. In Luke chapter 10, beginning verse 33, well, you know the story where the, the uh, lawyer asked, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus began to tell the parable. And uh, you know the story where, oh, let, you know what, let me just, uh, rather than starting in, right in the middle, let me start from the beginning. Okay, and Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jer- Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wondered and wounded him and, depo- and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed on by the other side. Okay, so we know that somebody was beaten, robbed, and then left for dead. And this priest comes by, sees him, and then goes the other way. Then likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Now, this one took a step further. He actually went to the person, looked at him, then turned away and left. Then 33, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had what? Compassion on him and went to him. And what did he do? This is what I want you to see. As I mentioned in the beginning, compassion is time consuming and always willing to take the time. Look at the time that this man took. First of all, you have to understand that he was on his way to go somewhere. But when he saw a need, he not only looked at the person, but then he, with his compassion, took some steps in order to deal with this person. And look at what he did. He went to him, bound him up his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and then set him on his beast, or you can say put him in his car, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. But he didn't stop there. Because then he says on the morrow, which means that he stood with him overnight. Continuing to take uh, taking care of him. And then when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host or the innkeeper and said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Which now, and, and of course Jesus asked the question, which one of these is a neighbor. Of course, he said the Samaritan. But the steps that this person took, just because of the compassion that he had, was willing to do whatever he had to do. Whatever appointment he had, wherever he was going, that was no longer important to him. He canceled that appointment because there was a need. And understand, this was a stranger to him. He didn't know who he was. All he knew is that this man needed some help. Now, it takes some uh, a person who is willing to put himself aside, cancel all appointments, and not worry about where he has to be or how much money he has to spend or how much time he has to deal with this person. This person took the time, took him, 
took care of him, bound him up, tended to his needs, tended to his wounds, took him to a hotel, and made sure that further care was, ta- was, was being offered to him until he got back. That's what we need to be. That's the place where we have to come. And I can't really say that we're there just yet. But we are striving for that. Because as we learn to become more and more like Christ, the Bible says that we have his divine nature, that we share into that divine nature, and we are being made into his image day by day. But I want to be like that. I want to get to a point where I can just drop what I'm doing and meet that person's need and not worry about where I have to go or where I need to be. Because to God, people are more important than anything. Because it was people that caused him to give his life. It was people that caused him to come to this earth and sacrifice so that we can be saved, so that we can be healed, so that we can be delivered. And so therefore, we have to have the same attitude, compassion. We have it. It's a part of us because it's part of God's nature. And because we're part of his children, we're members of his family, we can be like that. And we're called to be that way. 